Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. When you came in this morning, you should have received a a, a contract with God, right? Did you get one? If you didn't get one on the way out, I want to make sure you get one. You should have received like this little sheet of paper in your bulletin or whatever. It's a contract with God. And what I want you to do is I want you to go down to the bottom of that sheet right now where it says signature, and I want you to sign it, okay? I want you to sign it. The expectations we filled in later on. Right, all the, yeah, all the lawyers are out there, wait a second, I don't know. <laughs> hey, don't listen to the lawyers, listen to your pastor. Okay, sign the bottom of the sheet. The expectations of the contract will be filled out later on, all right? Go along. It's not notarized, it won't hold up in court, all right? But God knows, So we're in a series called Consumed, and what we're trying to do is live every single day of our lives, every single moment of our lives in the presence of God. The day we gave our lives to Jesus Christ, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, the day that you committed your life to Jesus Christ, you committed to serve him with your whole heart. Not half-hearted, not faint-hearted, but whole-hearted. God expects us to give every part of ourselves in service to Him. And He never makes exceptions. You say, well, yeah, you're the pastor. He expects you to give your whole life to Him. Yes, He does. And He expects you to give your whole life to Him. God makes no ex- doesn't change any expectations depending on who the person is. So in the book of Romans... Paul basically provides a biblical framework for how we are supposed to live our lives this way, for how we're to live our lives day to day for him in his presence, totally, completely giving our lives to him. If I desire, if my true desire, if your true desire is to live in the presence of God, then he expects us to give all of who we are, not part of who we are. Now, if you come to church for the first time in your life, all right, and, and I, this is going to be one of those, you're going to be like, whoa, holy mackerel. And I understand that. But let me tell you something. If you go through, probably one of the reasons many people are turned off is because you've been experiencing religion, okay? What I'm talking about is experiencing a relationship with the living God and being in the presence of God. And when you are, when you live in the presence of God, there's nothing that he cannot accomplish through you. If you truly want to see the power of the word of God, if you truly want to see the power of God in your life, this is how you should live. This is what the Bible tells us. This is how we should live our lives. So if you've been turned off in the past, okay, I want you to just turn your brain on for a second. Listen to what I'm going to share with you through God's word and just allow the Holy Spirit, okay, to speak to you. Because this is truly what Christ can mean and be in our lives. Now, I, that's a challenge. What I'm, what I'm saying to you is a challenge. I, and I totally understand that. 
But it brings about a transformation. The challenge that we're going to lay out this morning brings about a transformation that can draw us into the very presence of God. And I don't just mean on Sunday mornings. I mean all the time. Paul says to offer up your bodies, okay, to truly, he's saying, offer up your bodies. It's Paul's way of saying that we need to give ourselves completely and utterly and totally to him. And I'm going to explain what that means this morning. See, many of us understand what it means to give a maybe a financial sacrifice. You know, we give our tithes. And again, we don't pass the offering plate around here at Grace Chapel. We never have. Uh, but we have offering thing. We can give offerings in the boxes out here and everything. And people understand what it means to to give a financial offering, even to sacrifice. Last week, we said, hey, I'd like to, you know, make a, a sacrifice above and beyond what you normally give. We have a freezer that we need in Nigeria for our chicken farm. I laid all all the reasons why and you responded. And not only did we get enough money for that freezer, which is a big deal, we have enough money to get another freezer, which they actually really needed. okay, but didn't want to ask for because they thought it was enough to ask for forty five hundred dollars on one Sunday from the people of the church. But we ended up getting more than that and we're halfway to the next freezer. So I committed to getting two freezers. So you guys have to back me on that again. So, um, <laughs> no, we, we're going to get those freezers. That's what, you understand that. But all of a sudden, Paul throws out something totally different. Now he's talking about to offer all of yourself, all of who you are. That is a different story for most people. I can ask for a sacrificial gift once in a while and you'll respond and you understand what that means. But to sacrifice your very self, to give yourself wholly to God, that's a completely different story. When we talk about living in the presence of God, we're talking about a commitment of the whole person and every area of our lives, every area. Now, again, this is going to be maybe foreign to some folks because, you know, you think about church is on Sunday. I'm going to destroy that myth this morning. And it's the reason, again, that many of you feel like "Eh, there's no power behind what he's talking about. That's the reason, because people get this mentality. They come to church on Sunday and that's when spiritual things happen. That, yeah, it happens on Sunday morning. But according to Paul, that's not true, genuine worship. We're talking about worshiping God with every bit of our lives. That's what he's saying here. With every part of who we are. True worship, true worship is, is not just offering up a prayer at a meal. Thank you, God. It's good. These are all good. I'm going to describe good things. But that's not all. It's not just offering up a prayer at a meal. It's not just, it's not just following rituals or keeping rules. You may have come from a church background where all they cared about were keeping the rules. And a lot of the rules they just kind of made up on their own. It's not even in the Bible. So there's rule keeping or ritual. Maybe you come from a background where it's all ritual. But you know exactly what's going to happen the moment you walk into church until the moment you walk out of church. All ritualistic. You go through all the motions. You do this and then you do this and then you do this. And then you're good. And you go live your life. It's more than just putting your favorite worship music on in your car. It's more than just downloading your favorite podcast or whatever different pastors around the countries you want to listen to. It's, it's, it's so much more than that. Real worship happens, honestly, when we're honest with ourselves and we acknowledge where, we're, where we have fallen short. We acknowledge our sin and we turn from that. We turn 
directly say, you know what, I want to live in the presence of God. If I'm going to live in the presence of God, I need to put those things aside and I need to give every piece, if you will, of my life completely and wholeheartedly to God. That's what Paul is talking about. We give God our leftovers, my friends, and I'm saying this to people who come to church all the time. I believe we give God our leftovers because in, in, in honesty, part of the problem is we don't have a healthy respect for our creator anymore. In many cases, we, we don't we don't have a true, healthy respect for the one who created us. And the things that we talk about surrendering all and sacrifice and we sing songs about it and we read things about it, read books that people that people write. But, you know, we've lost some, in some ways, in some ways. We've lost a healthy respect for the one who created us. Because here's the reality. When a man or woman, when a man or woman find themselves in the presence of God, they have no choice. They have no choice but to wholeheartedly surrender to his will and to his purpose. When, when a person truly understands what it means and enters into the presence of God, they, they cannot do anything but wholeheartedly give themselves to him. When, when we get caught up, when we get caught up in his splendor, when we get caught up in his holiness, we have no other choice but to fall to our knees and surrender all, not just some. And I believe in our Christian world, all right, around the world, I think that's what's happening. I sur- we should really sing, and sometimes I surrender some. I surrender some, right? That would, right? I tell you, that's where Jen gets her singing ability from, from me, okay? <laughs> no, I, so when, when we truly enter into the presence of God, we, we, our, our hearts are called to surrender all, not just some. Verse 1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, I urge you, we should offer ourselves completely. Why? Paul says, because of God's mercy. Because of what God has done for us. We're so thankful for what He's done for us. When we recognize what God has done for us through Jesus Christ, through Jesus giving of Himself for us, when we recognize that, our only response is to give ourselves wholly and completely to Him. That's our, that's our only response. See, here's the thing. When we understand what Jesus Christ has done for us, Jesus is the lover of our souls. He cares about every detail of our lives. He is the grace, the amazing grace, right? Amazing grace. He's the amazing grace giver. He is able to raise the dead. He, the dead to rise. He sets the captives free. Jesus gives strength to those who are weak and those who are weary. He does, he enters into our lives at every level and impacts our lives at every level if we allow him to do that. And that's why Paul is saying, why should we do this? Because of what God has done for us, what Jesus Christ has done for us. God gave us his life. Jesus gave us his life. That is the ultimate gift. He could do no more. His mercy and grace grace should be enough to really motivate us. What I'm talking about right now, his mercy and his grace should be enough. That should be enough to motivate us to live our entire, complete, full, every moment of our lives for him. Paul then continues, a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. A living sacrifice. Think about that. 
See, when you hear the phrase living sacrifice, your mind should go to the Old Testament, the Old Testament sacrifices, because that's what Paul has in mind here. Old Testament. In the Old Testament, in order for people to worship, they would sacrifice animal. They would sacrifice an animal. That would be their act of worship by sacrificing an animal. And in the New Testament, Jesus says, "Um, I will ask for nothing less than your life. To give your life. Now, he's not talking about giving, physically dying, giving your life. He's talking about, he's talking about giving our lives in total service to him. In total service to him. You know, people ask me sometimes, why do you serve God? Why did you choose to be a pastor? Why do you serve God? And honestly, I serve God because I love God. I do not serve God because I think God's going to get me, because I think I'm not going to go to heaven, because I think somehow I have some kind of fear, I'm going to duck, or whatever the case may be. I serve God because I love God. I serve people because I love God. I serve him because I love him. I sacrifice him because I love him. Do I do it well all the time? Absolutely not. Do I fall short? All the time. I try my best, but I fall short. But it's my desire because of what he's done. When I recognize, I said this last week, God saved me. You say, yeah, you got to go to heaven. He saved you. I get that. We're all, you know, we, have, we know the lingo. No, 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 no. He saved my physical life. I don't believe I'd be up here this morning If he didn't save me, and then he saved me. He saved me, and I recognize that. I recognize that, and I love him for it. I love what he has done for me and in my life. When Paul uses the term body, he means every every part of who we are. When I gave my life to Christ, And Paul says, offer up your body. He's saying every part, every part of who you are. He wants us to give all of our gifts. He wants us to give all of our talents. He wants us to give all of our interests. He wants us to give all of our mind. He wants us to give uh, all of our physical strength. In Luke chapter 10 and verse 27, I want you to hear these words, okay? It basically says this, to love the Lord your God with Hear my words, with all, with all. I want you in your mind just for a moment to define the word all. If you're confused, ask me after the service and I'll tell you what all means. Okay? All, not confusing. To love the Lord your God with all, what? With all, with all of your heart. All, all, not some, not surrender some, all, with all of your heart, with all of your soul with all of your mind, with all of your strength, physically. He wants, he's saying, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. He wants it all. He's saying all. When we ask Christ to, Christ to come into our lives, we chose, we, those of us who asked Jesus Christ to come into our lives, we chose a life of service to him. Not on Sundays, every day, every moment. Every moment. 
I love this. There's a, there's a verse that I absolutely, I was read, as I was reading through the Bible, this is years and years ago, and I came up on this verse, and I just loved it because I thought to myself, yes, that's what I want from my life. I love God. I've chosen God to be in my life. He has saved me, and I love this verse. In Exodus chapter 21, verses 5 and 6, he says, But if a servant declares, I love my master and my wife and children, and do not want to go free, then his master must take him before the judges. He shall, he shall take him to the door or the doorpost and pierce his ear with an awl. Then he will be a servant for life. He will be a servant for life. He could go free. He could choose. He's choosing. Now he has a choice. Do I want to stay with my master who I love or do I want to go free? And he's saying, I love my master. I am choosing now. I'm not forced to be in his employ. I choose for the rest of my life to serve. It's a choice. When we receive Jesus Christ, we chose to live a life of service for him. There are two, there are two people in the Bible uh, that, that actually um, sacrificed, if you will. That he talks about a living sacrifice. There are two examples of a living sacrifice in the Bible. Isaac and Jesus. Isaac chose... He, it, was, it was basically his choice. He willingly put himself on the altar and was ready to die out of obedience. Obviously, it was not God's plan. God then came and put a ram in his place. But here's the thing. And to me, it was kind of, as I thought about this, I was, as I was kind of studying this, I thought to myself, this was Isaac, Isaac's but-if-not moment, right? Shadrach, in our last series... Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they stood before King Nebuchadnezzar about to be thrown into the fiery furnace. And the king said, well, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And they said, King, do whatever you want. Our God can save us and he will save us. But, but even if he does not, Isaac had no idea what was going to happen here. Isaac was willing to be a sacrifice, a living sacrifice. God obviously did not have that in the plans. So he sent the ram. But here's the thing. Isaac died to self. So when he left that altar, when he stepped down from that altar, he is, he was a living sacrifice. He was willing to sacrifice himself. He was willing to die, but he truly sacrificed self. So he was a living example. He was a a living sacrifice. The second is Jesus. And Jesus obviously is the, the perfect living sacrifice because he actually died sacrificing himself on the cross for us to be obedient to God. He actually died for us. So he is the ultimate perfect living sacrifice. Now, let me try to bring this back down to, 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 like, to us. All right? I read a story about uh, a little boy and a Scottish pastor. The Scottish pastor in a small church in Scotland, and the deacons come to him and they sit him down and they're about to really replace him with another person because they said to him, you know, over this past year we've watched and you haven't led anyone to Christ. No one's come to Christ through your ministry. So we're thinking about at this point replacing you and they're about to replace him. And the pastor responded and said, well, you know, I have to agree it has been a lean year. For me, I haven't seen so many people come to Christ. And I, 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 I was a long time ago, but if I were the pastor, I'd say, hey, I'm not the only one who can lead people to the Lord here. I'd kind of point my finger at the deacon saying, why don't you go out and lead people to the Lord and bring them to church? But he was humble and he said, you're right, it's been a lean year. But he said, you for, you're forgetting about wee Bobby. 
And the deacons were like, yeah, they had forgotten about Wee Bobby. Wee Bobby gave his life to Christ during that year when they said no one came to Christ. And the pastor reminded them that, that he, had, he had given his life to Christ. And Bobby came from a very uh, strong uh, Christian family. And right after he gave his life to Christ, they had a missions meeting. You know, they had a big mission Sunday meeting. And, and during that missions meeting, they were passing around the offering plate. They were taking an offering for the missionaries. And when it got to Bobby, Bobby asked the usher if he could put the plate, if he could put the plate, please put the plate on the ground. Usher put the plate on the ground and we Bobby said to the usher, I have nothing to give to God but myself. And he stepped with his bare feet into the offering plate. Okay. We Bobby or Robert Moffat truly meant it because Moffat became a famous missionary in South Africa and a Bible translator in Africa. He, I, I'm not going to go into all the details now, I don't have time, but please go and look up Robert Moffat, okay, and his life and what he accomplished and the things that he did. It's amazing. He meant it when he stepped into that offering plate. Imagine a little boy like that. Having a heart to say, I have nothing. I don't have anything financially to give to God, but I do have something to give to God. I give him myself. That's what Paul is talking about here. It's us saying, put the plate down. I can put money in the box. I want to put myself in the box. I want to put myself. I want to give of myself. That's what he did. That's what Paul had in mind when he instructed the Roman church to offer up your bodies as a living sacrifice. He had wee Bobby in mind when he wrote that. That's the kind of person he had in mind when he wrote that. Offer up your bodies as a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice means we give of ourselves every single day. Okay? Now, walk me through the logic here. Okay? Stick with me on this logic. Living in a living sacrifice. Living implies life. Life is an everyday experience. You cannot, okay, you, you cannot say to yourself, I'm, just, I'm a living sacrifice. Offering, uh, offering ourselves to God just on Sunday morning for an hour, an hour and a half is not, is not what Paul's talking about here. That's not what he's talking about. Well, I go, I go to church. And then, then you know, a few days later, I go over here. I'm a you know, living sacrifice and I'm a living. What happened over what, between here, though? You cannot be a living sacrifice if your mindset says, I am doing my church thing, my spiritual thing, on Sunday morning for an hour. A living sacrifice means living in the presence of God every moment. Everybody take a breath. That's a moment. You're breathing in and out. You're, you, we are to live in the presence of God every moment. Well, when, I, when, I'm in a, when I'm about to get in a fight with somebody, yep. And maybe you won't. When I'm about to lose my temper, yep. And maybe you won't. When I'm about to, yep, and maybe you won't. When I'm, when I'm, when I'm feeling fearful and I, I, I'm afraid to go out and try to get that different, yeah, that's when you're in the presence of God and maybe you, he'll help you overcome your fear. 
When you feel completely burdened because you've been abused maybe in the past or something and you can't overcome it, but now you can. When you're in the presence of God, He gives you the power to overcome whatever it is that is holding you back, that is keeping you from being the person that you were designed to be. If you truly want to change, if you truly want to overcome, Jen was talking about how God lives in us. The power, the resurrection of Jesus Christ lives in us. And that is so true. But we don't experience it. We don't live it out because we go from Sunday and then we wait till or maybe a Bible study or maybe when something really terrible happens, we sing Amazing Grace and everything and the stadium and everybody gets Goosebumps. You know what? You want to get goosebumps? You can get goosebumps every day, all the time, living in the presence of God. We, we don't logically think about this. Paul is saying that we need to offer up our bodies a living sacrifice. We don't live on Sunday and then not live, and then we live again until next Sunday. It cannot be experiences bouncing around from Bible study to church activity. It me it, what he's saying is it's an everyday all day every moment activity being in the presence of God offering up our bodies as a living sacrifice. You moms are not a mom from 9 to 5 Monday through Friday. That's your job. You're only a mom from 9 to 5 on Monday through Friday. That's just ridiculous. You're a mom at 1 in the, at 1 a.m. For some of you, 3 a.m. For many of you, 5 a.m., right? You're a mom. You're a mom when your kid is 50 in their 50s or 60s. You're still a mom and your kid gets sick. You're still a mom. You don't just, well, out the door they go. You know what I mean? I don't have to worry about them anymore. You're older. Your son, I don't care how old they are. You know, you could live to 100. And if your son's like 82, you're like, oh, my poor baby, right? It's your, you're a mom. You're a mom all the time. You don't stop being a mom. When you're a mom, you're a mom. My mom mom called me this week. I was driving down here to work and she called me and she said, she said, uh, oh, I know we're going to go to Alaska at the end of this month. Deb and I and and Josh are going to Alaska at the end of the month. And and, uh, so uh, my mom called and said, hey, make sure you wear your seatbelt on the plane. I'm 54 years old. Do I need my mom to tell me to wear a seatbelt on the plane? Well, here's what she said. I've been reading, and there's a lot of dead air out there. And the plane's flying along, hits the dead air, boom, and all those people not wearing their seatbelts are smacking up against the ceiling and landing on the ground. They're all dying. There's people dying everywhere from dead air. You make sure you wear your seatbelt. My mom, on her phone, knows what temperature it is in Cincinnati. If it goes under, like, 20 degrees, 25 degrees, under 30 degrees, I get a call sometimes. Are you wearing a coat? (laughs) Am I wearing a coat? Moms will walk in the room, tell me if I'm wrong here, and tell you, you're cold. Right? You're cold. I'm I'm good. No, you're cold. Put something on. You're cold. It's too cold. You're cold. Moms don't stop being moms, okay? You don't. When you ask Christ to come into your life, you are a follower of Jesus Christ. You are a Christian. You don't stop being a Christian when you leave the church. That's not when it happens. A living sacrifice is a sacrifice that continually is active. Continually active. This means worship occurs not just in the sanctuary, Okay, not just in a sanctuary, but worship occurs even at work. At work, 
You can say, I'm going to worship God in the church this Sunday. You can also say, just as legitimately, I am going to go to school this morning and worship God. I am going to go to the office and worship God. I am going to go to the gym and worship God. And you don't have to have a worship service. He's present with you. God, give me the strength for one more. God, give me the strength to keep moving, to keep going. God, give me the strength not to explode on the person next to me who's trying to, you know, undermine me at work. God, give me the words. Give me the... You can worship him at all times, every, every, every time. Think about it. Do you have selective Christianity? Do you praise and thank and worship God here on Sunday morning, but when you leave here, you leave it here? Paul's saying that's not going to cut. That's not going to cut it. That's, that's not what we're talking about here. Remember our mantra? If it's not sinful, it's... So I'll say it a little, you know, Some of you don't know what that is, so say it louder so they, they get it too. If it's not sinful, it's... Right, okay? A biblical worldview says things are either sinful or they're sacred. Right? Sinful or they're sacred. In the Bible, work is worship. When you go to work, that is worship. That's what the Bible says. The, the work came before the fall, not after the fall. They worshipped God in the Garden of Eden. They worshipped him through work. They were in his presence. God created everything. Satan created nothing. Satan only distorts what God created. So whatever you're doing that's not sinful, it's sacred. And you can worship God. You can be in the presence of God in everything you do. At home, at work, at school, it doesn't matter. Does that make sense? We need to understand that. That's what God wants from us. Being in the presence of God is not a church activity. It is a life activity. And A.W. Tozer said this, and I think it's pretty bold. He said, if you do not worship, if you will not worship God seven days a week, you do not worship God one day a week. I was like, whoa. If you will not worship God seven days a week, then you do not worship God one day a week. Paul says in verse 2, do, do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. When we give ourselves to God, it is reflected in how we live our lives. Let me say that again. When we, when, we, when, we, when we give ourselves to God, it's reflected in how we live our lives. We live in a Christian culture today that has kind of, in, in, many, in many ways, has lost its way. Because years ago, 15 or 20 years ago, this whole movement came out, not criticizing it, not saying it's wrong, is that we want to be relevant. The church wants to be relevant to the culture. We want to be seeker-sensitive. Hey, it, right here, I think we should be seeker-sensitive. I think we should be relevant. Here is the problem that's happened over the last 10 years or so, or maybe less. It's not just about being relevant anymore. It's that we're conforming to culture. We've begun to conform to culture. We begin to cave to social pressure. Some of the people you listen to in podcasts now are going through their own spiritual um, struggles and they're bringing you right along with them. Be really careful what you're listening to because they're caving to social pressure. They'll say things like, and you'll hear people say this, I just don't think God would... 
I just don't feel. I just don't think. I, I, I don't see how God would not want to blah, blah, blah. And whatever it is, whatever social issues going on in the world today. And so they cave to social pressure. Paul is telling us if we want to live in the presence of God, if we truly want to live in the presence of God, we will not cave to culture. He says, basically, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Don't be conformed. Don't go along with every wave that comes along, with everything that comes along. Don't be swept along. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, people who live in the presence of God are transformed people. They are transformed people. It's reflected. It's reflected in the way they walk, in the way they talk, in the way they think. That is reflected in their lives. When we live in God's presence, we are no longer, it is no longer a a self-centered life that we're choosing to live, but a Christ-centered life that we're choosing to live. Hear me say that again. It's not a self-centered life. Not what I want. It's what Christ wants to do through me and how he wants me to impact the lives of other people. See, a Christian does not allow themselves to be pressured by outside forces to change. A Christian does not allow themselves to be pressured by the forces around them to change, but submits themselves wholeheartedly to the influence of the Holy Spirit. Rather than allow themselves to be squeezed into the mold of this world, this is what's happening. We get squeezed into the mold of the world. A Christian allows themselves to be shaped into the likeness of Jesus Christ. I will not be shaped into the mold of this world regardless of how much pressure is put on me. I will, though, be shaped into the image of Jesus Christ. That's what Paul is saying. Do not be conformed to the image of this world. Be conformed to the image of Christ. You chose to follow him. Follow him. And when a believer lives their life in the presence of God, when a believer worships him with integrity, the Bible says they are holy and pleasing to God. We are holy and pleasing to him. When we try our best and we fall short, every single one of us, raise my hand first. When we try our best to worship God with integrity, we are holy and pleasing to him. When we gave our lives to Christ, we signed a contract. You have your contract? We signed a contract to live our whole lives for him. We we signed it to live our whole lives for him regardless. We signed a contract that said, I will live out God's word regardless, if you will, regardless of the cost. When we placed, when we gave our lives to Christ, we placed our ear on the doorpost and we chose to live complete. We chose, we chose to live for him. Not, not to be forced by the pastor or any rituals or any, we chose to live our lives totally and completely for him. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take that contract and I want you to take it home and I want you to put it in a prominent place. Put it in a prominent place in your house, at work, it doesn't matter. And then honestly, what you really, what you really want to do is put it in the, like I have right here, put it in the, put it in your, right in the front of your Bible, right? Put it right in the front of your Bible because this is what you agreed to in that contract. That's why I told you to sign it this morning. 
The expectations will be given to you later. You want the expectations? Start reading. You want the expectations? Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. And as God, as God reveals to you what He wants you to do with your life, what your purpose is in life, what He's challenging you to overcome, regardless of the struggle, when He tells you those things, write them down and live them out. The contract is signed. God's word is clear. Write them down and live them out. Let's just bow our heads and pray together. God, I'm I'm under no false understanding whatsoever how difficult what we're talking about in this series is. Not just about showing up to church on time on a Sunday morning or going to a Bible study or even praying before we eat dinner or lunch or breakfast. Those are all important things. Those are all important. But if that's all we do, We're missing out on so much of who you are. So God, I ask, in as simple terms as I possibly can, that you would help every single one of us understand what it means to live in your presence, to dwell in your presence at work, at school, on the field, in the gym, on the court, at church, when I'm driving, whatever it is, Lord, I just want to be in your presence. Because this life is tough. And we've been through some really difficult challenges in the past. And we are not going to be able to, 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 to truly live in peace and joy and contentment if we're not in your presence. And that's what we want. We want to live our lives in your presence so that when the challenges, when the winds, when the storms come, We can rest in you because we are in you. And Lord God, the most miraculous thing is that you've chosen to live in us, to dwell in us. Help us to understand that. Take you wherever we go in every circumstance and every thought of our lives. Take, allow us to take you with us, Lord God, and give us, give us the strength to get there. This is a journey. And it's a challenge. Give us the strength through your son, Jesus Christ, to get there. And Lord, when we mess up and we fall short, please forgive us. Put us back on the path. Dust us off. Put us back on our feet and send us off again. We love you. We praise you. We thank you for this time we can spend together. In Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Happy Mother's Day.